0: Do you remember back in 2020 when Joe Biden told you decency was on the ballot and then Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, she decided to parrot that immediately as well? Apparently they were not lying to us. See, decency was on the ballot, but not the way we ever expected. Sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network.
1: America emboldened Great, I feel emboldened You don't know the Founding Fathers, you don't know what they did You don't know what they sacrificed We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence You are
0: voting for socialism and you got what you voted for Welcome Bold Americans to another episode of America Emboldened. I'm your host, Greg Bolden. So glad that you are here with me today. We are going to be discussing whether or not decency was on the ballot back in 2020, as Dr. Jill Biden and Joe Biden stated while they were campaigning. You've probably seen the headlines over the weekend. There's Senate staffer that had had uh, sexual relations in the Senate room absolutely disgusting video. We have the cocaine that wound up in the white house and so many other stories that it just seemed to be commonplace and acceptable for the Democrats and the progressive left. And so we oftentimes will take people to task when they are doing things that do not have morals and ethics on the right. I'm asking where's the Democrats for calling for accountability with their own party and whether or not you can trust Joe Biden based upon his words throughout his entire career. We're gonna talk about all that. Plus we're going to get into the red sea and what's been happening over in the middle East and whether or not we should be concerned as always. Thank you for subscribing over to the podcast. Make sure you type in America emboldened into your favorite podcast format, hit the subscribe button and feel free to leave me a review as that helps push me straight back up those charts. All right, everybody, let's get started with Joe Biden's words and take it from here. Character is on the ballot. Compassion is on the
1: ballot. Decency, science, democracy, they're all on the ballot. Who we are as a nation, what we stand for, and most importantly, who we want to be, that's all on the ballot. And the choice could not be more clear.
0: Except the choice maybe could have been just a little bit more clear to individuals Likely liberals. And here's why I'm bringing this up. Now, these comments about character, compassion, about decency, about our democracy were labeled back in 2020 towards Donald Trump, stating that he did not have character, Uh, He did not offer the right compassion during Maria down in Puerto Rico, that he lacked decency with the way he treated other people, Uh, democracy. They felt that he was trying to be a dictator, and that's what they were painting him as and talking about the impeachments. And then Joe was asking, who do we want to be at the end of the day as a country? Who are we and what do we stand for? Well, we have a clear picture over the last three years of who we are, what we stand for, and who we want to be under a Biden-Harris administration. We also have a pretty good snapshot at this point in time of the Democrats and the liberals, as far as what is their character, what is their compassion, what is their decency, what is their understanding of science, and how are they protecting our democracy? And so today, I want to ask, was decency on the ballot And was it the choice that you expected? And that is for the progressives that listen to the show. Joe Biden is not somebody who I believe should be able to say that decency is on the ballot when we talk about character. Now, why do I say when we talk about character? Well, we can go back to Joe Biden's storied past about his character. Maybe we want to run back to when he was caught lying in his presidential campaign back in the 80s where he made a ton of inflated claims.
1: I have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school, and then decided I wanted to stay. Went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department. At the end of my year, I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank.
0: And he was also solving world hunger while he was doing all that, ladies and gentlemen. And he uh, certainly was successful in that. And he has the greatest character of all time. The problem with all of those statements that Joe Biden made back in the 1980s is the media was on to him and the media called him straight out. So was character on the ballot in 2020? Well, maybe people just forgot about this. Let's listen to it now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college,
1: and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only
0: one degree, not three.
1: Joe Biden ranked 76th. In-
0: <laughs> 76 out of a class of 85 students. And he failed a course because he plagiarized a law review while he was there in his first year at law school, which is why he had to drop out the first time before re coming back. And he was admitted to the Delaware bar back in 1969. So maybe character was on the ballot in 2020 and people just didn't pay enough attention to it. I mean, certainly he also said, you know, about decency and he painted Donald Trump as a racist. Certainly Joe Biden's not a racist, right? No, I'm, I'm
1: a- great relationship. In Delaware, the largest growth in population is Indian Americans moving from India. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I'm not joking. Oh, gigantic. you got more questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. So it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. they look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap and I've loved kids jumping on my lap.
0: None of that audio that you just heard was edited whatsoever. Those are Joe Biden's words. The part about referring to uh, black kids as cockroaches, uh, the part about him saying he loves kids on his lap. yes. I actually know the person who filmed that video in Wilmington, Delaware during his campaign. Now, Joe Biden has made these inflated claims his entire life. He also will tell people, I've always been a civil rights activist until he tells people that, oh, I never marched in Selma. I never really was much of an activist. So which one is it, Joe? Which one is it about your decent character that we're supposed to believe? Democrats, why are you not owning this? If this was Donald Trump and there was the exact same irrefutable evidence, you would be all over Donald Trump day and night about decency being on the ballot when you can play these type of clips over and over again. But why is it that Joe Biden gets a free pass? Well, I think it's because deep down, Democrats and the truly far-left liberals are embracing this level of indecency. You might have seen the story, what happened in the Senate over the weekend with a gay porno being made in our Senate. Nope, I, (laughs) I, I did not have this on my bingo board when I started the year. And as we wrap up 2023... This is the last thing I ever thought, but a staff member, a Senate staffer that was working for Senator Ben Cardin from Maryland, you heard me right, was having gay sex in the Senate hearing room with his older partner. So now we have cocaine found inside the White House, which people for whatever reason are just dismissing. They're like, oh, whatever. No, it's, it's the White House people. All right, maybe the White House gets its name White House under the Biden administration, allowing cocaine in there. When you come into the White House, there's no person in their right mind that's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring a bag of coke in with me. So is that part of the decency that was on the ballot? And now this uh, Senate staffer, is that part of what was on the ballot as well? It is absolutely disgusting. What is going on right now? think about this. You got cocaine in the White House. You got one of Joe Biden's appointees stealing women's clothes at an airport to wear them. Did we forget about that? Is that the decency that people need to have? We have gay sex tape filmed in the Senate. We have drag shows on our military bases. We have Joe's son having his sex tapes go public. We have a laptop that you used your influence to make sure that people in the FBI and CIA intelligence agency said was not real, but we know they were all shills, that the whole thing was real the entire time. We have a corruption scandal with Hunter being revealed that there are millions have been paid from foreign sources without being registered as a foreign agent and that you were involved despite telling voters that you never were Joe Biden? Is that the decency that was on the ballot? We have the Navy hiring drag queens to recruit more drag queens to join the military. <laughs> is that the decency? Is that the image that we're putting out there? Have we sexualized everything, Democrats? We have taxpayers that are now funding sex changes in the military. We have Biden defending child sex changes we have Biden being interviewed by Dylan Mulvaney, the face of Bud Light. Why am I pointing all of this out? Because decency was on the ballot in 2020. Dr. Joe Biden told you the entire time that it was going to be on the ballot. And most people, they were too busy watching MSNBC and CNN to realize that the really bad corruption was on the Democrat side with the Biden family. And it had been there for decades upon decades with speech after speech, laying it all out. Look at the parties that they're having at the white house. And look at the appointees. It's almost like you can't get appointed unless uh, you have some type of odd sexual fetish. You got people going topless during the pride uh, <laughs> rally at the white house and filming themselves on the grounds. You have my beloved figure, gritty twerking with the Easter bunny (laughs) right there. And now the latest, the Christmas, (laughs) the latest Christmas video that Jill Biden happened to help put together with the nutcracker with all very, very strange. I don't even know how to even begin to describe it for people. But it's definitely not the artistic endeavor that I would normally equate with something as beautiful as the nutcracker. There is nutcracking perhaps in that, but it's not what you were expecting. So yeah, decency is on the ballot. And I believe now with this Aiden, I don't even know how you say his last name, Micey Cheraposky, or I, I, I don't know. Anyway, Aiden took the social media. Because he was upset that people were calling out his gay sex video in the Senate. And when he called people out, he said that he was being singled out because of people's hatred for homosexuals. That it was homophobia. No, I'm sorry, Aiden. It's not homophobia whatsoever. No one has a problem with what you do in your own bedroom, Aiden. You are somebody who... Probably likely was so outraged after January 6th on what happened on the Senate floor, in the chambers, going into the Capitol building, that I believe the only thing we should be focused on right now is how outraged your're in sir erection in the Senate building should be. I, I guess that's really what we should be talking about. That is the decency that the Democrats are okay with right now. They're okay. With sex, 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 and more sex being thrown in your face at all times. Now, Aiden's no longer employed in the U.S. Senate. They, they've let him go. And I, I'm pretty sure that uh, outside of an OnlyFans page, this guy is not getting in much other places. But I'll also tell you that there is more information that will likely come out as this goes. See, this Aiden guy was also making other comments elsewhere. On social media now, people are going back through some of his stories where he stated that he wanted to uh, have Lindsey Graham come work in the showers with him at the cap- in the Capitol building or wherever it was, I'm not sure. So we know for a fact that you have somebody who is a pretty indecent individual. And I'm curious how many others of these indecent individuals are going to be coming out in the future, which even more interesting is, you know, you're starting to see these photographs coming out of different people in the Biden cabinet, different people that Biden has appointed, and they're all sexual deviants. They are. I mean, you look at like the, the pop mask on the one guy, the leather S and M type of things that he's wearing. And I guess Joe Biden was right. We should have paid attention when he said decency is on the ballot. We should have put that under even further scrutiny about character because Joe Biden's character and the character of the Democrats is no different than the character that they claim to be against on the other side. Compassion, right? Want to talk about compassion? Well, what is compassion? Is compassion, you know, saying, yeah, well, I believe children should be able to have sex changes and altering their bodies for life. Does that truly show compassion? Is that what decency is? And, oh, trust the science, right? Trust the science. And all of a sudden, the right was anti-science during COVID. I didn't even get into that. Science was on the ballot. I remember he said that as part of it. Is science still on the ballot? Because I'm not sure if you guys know this, but there is a, uh, a new mRNA that was being developed by Moderna since the beginning of last year. It entered its phase one trial. You can look this up, it's mRNA 1189. And the idea was it was an mRNA vaccine for Epstein-Barr virus. They have just had to stop giving this to adolescents because of myocarditis. And they're finding that these lipid nanoparticles that are in mRNA uh, shots, they are causing myocarditis. And they said it was unacceptable. So therefore they had to pause the entire thing. They cannot have any more of these going in. But meanwhile, we have thousands of people that have gotten myocarditis with the COVID one, but people still trust the science because science apparently was on the ballot. Which version of science? That's just the part that I want to know. And then democracy. Well, geez, democracy was not on the ballot. I'll tell you what was on the ballot. Democracy maybe was on the ballot if you voted one direction, but not for the Joe Biden side. No, 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 no. What was on the ballot there is the tenets of Marxism. And that's where we are right now. Who are we? Well, look at the world. Look at what they think of us. Look at our borders. What do we stand for? Not for much. I guess we stand for uh, everything that is queer and gay. And I mean what I say when I say that. I think that that's exactly what is important to this administration. Not national security. Not our borders. Not taking care of the people that are truly suffering here in the United States, not the inflation of this country. And everybody will point out and say, oh, but this is the best economy we've had. Look, the stock, no, nope, 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 nope. You don't get to ignore the fact that you've raised inflation over 20% without wages raging, raising at the same length. And then get to say that everything's okay. And who do we want to be? I don't want to be this. I don't want to be this super progressive place I want to go back to a place of decency, true decency, morals, ethics. Yeah, I'm calling out your Lauren Boberts as well. And I know people are going to go there. I've called them out before. I've called out Marjorie Taylor Greene. I've called out this, this false outrage that people seem to throw shade at in order to have a spicy headline, but yet they lack their own moral integrity. It's wrong on both sides. So yeah, decency is on the ballot. Pay better attention to who you're electing. Now let's get into the second topic of the day. I told you at the top, we were going to talk about the red sea and what's going on. So here we go. Officially let's start the second half before I do that. I want to just call people's attention to be mindful about once again, I know I talk about this often who you follow on social media, but then if you are a participant in social media and you're posting rather regularly, the importance of taking care of oneself as well. I hosted on my show back in May, uh, David Weissman, who used to be a staunch Trump supporter. And then all of a sudden he became the darling of the progressive left. He denounced Donald Trump, started being a shill for Joe Biden every single opportunity that he got. And I wanted to bring him onto the show to understand how does somebody go from point A until point B so drastically? Well, come to find out, uh, David Weissman had a meltdown last week and in his meltdown, uh, he got upset because I guess he was calling for the woke people that were saying that was part of the Me Too movement and applying that to Israel and the Me Too movement started pushing back and he got ate by his own. And so David Weissman has taken a sabbatical. I don't know for how long, but he has left the Twitter slash X platform and is no longer posting. I think that this is a tale that should be a cautionary tale for all of us, right? The people that we are following, even I put myself in this category right? The people that we're following, we all have other lives that we're living, right? I have a family that I need to provide for on the other side of you hearing my voice. I have a job that I go to teaching inside a classroom. Although I got to be honest, I'm really starting to prioritize in many ways, the podcast more and more as this thing gets bigger, Uh, but I don't want to leave the classroom. So I'm trying to be able to balance both. And then I have my own personal things that I deal with on a regular basis, whether that's a health thing or what's going on in my own life with family and friends, right? And so the energy that we put into social media is the energy we often will find we're getting out of social media. And so I just think it's important that we're mindful about what we are consuming with our eyes, with our ears, because if we're thinking about food as what we eat, gets processed by our body. I also believe what we're hearing gets processed by our body and is going to influence us as well. And so for my listening audience, I do try to be mindful of that as I'm making content that I'm not putting something that I believe would be poisonous, so to speak, to your brains uh, that would uh, harm anybody. At the end, I guess what you could say is I try to be kind when I crack open this microphone. I try to be mindful of what I'm speaking about, and not just overly critical at all times. I think this is also important on social media to be kind, because we don't know what that other person that we're following or that we're reading about is going through in their personal life. Empathy, love, kindness, these are important tenets of the human experience. They go a very long way in life. And so I just want us to embrace them, no matter what our political beliefs, no matter what that topic might be that divides us, can we find a little bit of love and kindness and empathy in order to create a better platform, so to speak, a better relationship? I think that's a long way. And so David, you know, we argued a bit during our uh, interview back in May. I think that you were not critical enough of the left just as you weren't critical enough of the right and you led yourself from point a, to point B you went from one, uh, largely one side of the argument to the other, and you didn't really entertain the middle. I hope that you're taking this time to see that middle, the common sense, and you're starting to get new viewpoints that go around that. I I really hope the best for you, David. And, uh, I hope that wherever you are, you're doing well. And if you follow David, I'm sure you're concerned too. I mean, I even think about people's like mental health, their well-being, uh, you know, doing this and opening yourself up to critique and criticism. it can take a toll, right? We all want to be loved, we all want to be liked. I know at the end of the day, simply by having a microphone and having a platform, I'm going to have people that don't like me. And so you have to have a bit of a thick skin in order to be able to deal with when people are like, oh, you're a know-it-all about everything, are you? It's like, no, we're just here on the show processing everything together. If I claim to be a know-it-all, I would probably come at the show in a completely different manner. Uh, But anyway, so that's neither here nor there. I just wanted to kind of cover that just a little bit here uh, because I I thought it was an important thing uh, that I saw and just to keep us mindful. Now, the Houthis. The Houthis have launched more attacks in the Red Sea this past weekend, and we have more United States warships now heading to the region. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is going to be heading to the Middle East sometime early this week. Maybe he's already there by the time you're listening to this show. I don't know. But there seems to be a new coalition that's starting to be ramped up right now. And I'm paying attention to this, and I think you should too, because All these people are like, oh, we're sending all of our our ships there to deter war. I think at this point in time, it's it's important to look at, I don't think we're looking to deter war anymore. I think we're getting ready to put our military to work. We have countries, according to The Guardian, they're stating that Jordan, the uh, United uh, Emirates, the Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Oman, Egypt, and Bahrain, are all starting to be brought together by the United States in order to counter back the Yemen region and the Houthis. And so we could have, sometime before Christmas here, a war that is starting to escalate. This bothers me. I think back to the previous world wars that we had. And Christmas season, right? The Christmas, and I understand, like, that's not the same religion over there. But we always hear these great tales about a pause for peace. We go back to 1944. Uh, there was a pause for peace on the battlefield. We can go back even further. And during World War One, there was the Christmas truce, right? Where all of a sudden, both sides uh, started to... Uh, scale back and go, you know what? We, we don't want to fight right now. It's, it's Christmas. And so if you go back, you're not going to find an actual Christmas truce, so to speak. But what you will find is people took a break during those times from being able to fight. Um, on Christmas Eve, 1944 there were American soldiers Uh, that were wounded and they ended up going and knocking on a door. And the people that answered the door could not speak each other's language, the English nor the Germans. But they invited, the Germans invited the Americans inside in order to make them comfortable. And so this story is often told about as it was Christmas Eve and there would be no shooting there. And so it was a safe place that night from the war. I'm wondering is there a safe place in the Red Sea right now? Can we find peace? as we are ramping up towards a full-on onslaught. Both the United States and the Britain forces have taken out 14 attack drones. Now, these were not two-way attack drones. What do I mean by that? I'm led to believe from the reporting that's coming down in the papers that these drones are meant to just take their payload and crash directly into a ship in order to create their most amount of damage. This is not a drone that has some type of missile that gets fired and then returns to base and reloads. So these United States ships and these UK ships, they're shooting down these attacks that are coming uh, in on them from their destroyers. And so the Ford carrier strike group has been in the Mediterranean all the way since October 7th, and they're continuing their mission. But now we're getting a lot more coming to that region. In addition to that, there are many that are congratulating Yemen for their actions in the Red Sea. They're stating that they're glad that basically they are stopping the ability to have replenishments. In fact, uh, some accounts are saying that Yemen has done the impossible. MSC, CMA, and CGM are the world's largest shipping companies, and they're now announcing that they will not sail through the Red Sea. And so this is putting a huge blow on the logistic lines and should hurt Israel. It will hurt everybody. All right. So the people that are posting that, I I think you're failing to see how important the Red Sea is to get out to the Indian Ocean and get to the Mediterranean Sea. It is going to cut off Europe from one of their most important waterways in order to get things through the Suez Canal. And so this is a moment that we talked about weeks ago with people like Brian Fry on the show, talk about the oil industry, the economist, they're already talking about that this Suez crisis is now threatening the global world economy, right? Because if you just travel a bit of distance where this naval fleet is escalating, if we cannot get all the shipping containers, that is 30% of global container traffic goes through that zone. So because of the Houthis, they might shut down 30% of all shipping in the world. Let that register as you think about inflation and the economy. The four companies that are traveling through there, three of which I just named, they account for 53% of all Global container trade. The only one I think I missed there, I said CMAC, GM, uh, Hapag Lloyd. I don't think I said. I said Maersk, which is uh, MSC, but I think I have missed uh, Hapag Lloyd. So if we're paying attention to what's going on in the Red Sea right now, and I hope that you are, we are on the verge of leading a new counteroffensive as the United States. If the United States begins bombing Yemen, over this blockade in the Red Sea, over these dro- drone strikes. Oil prices are about the skyrocket. It's going to happen. Your supply lines, as you just heard, are going to be disrupted. This is going to be felt worldwide. You're looking at your gas prices right now. You might be going, how is it that my gas prices are so cheap? We're under $3 a gallon throughout this country. I think one of the things that we forget is that winter gasoline is cheaper Then summer gasoline, summer gasoline, they get into the additives that they put in and it gets more expensive to make that type of crude that helps keep your engine going strong uh, during uh, the summer months, the warmer months in the Northern hemisphere. But this winter crude, that's all going to start coming to an end here in January as they start the switch over over the coming months that coupled with a crisis and being able to ship is going to be a problem. Now, It gets even worse for the region. The Pentagon is now sending more nuclear aircraft carriers to the Red Sea due to these attacks. We have three more destroyers going into the Mediterranean Sea. That seems to me to sound like we're not simply trying to get more deterrence. We're now basically saying to Yemen, you know what? You messed around and now it's time to find out. And so the fact that we have these other individuals getting involved, these other countries, Egypt, uh, this is really, really big. Now, what is the difference in that uh, trade route should this get closed down? Okay, let's let's think about India, right? India has a huge amount of trades going out of India. And to get to London, England, it takes them 7,200 miles in order to get there. Should they need to go around Africa? It increases from 7,200 miles and goes to 12,300 miles. So they are knocking off immediately almost 5,000 miles, all right, just by having that opened up. That is a huge disruption. So it's going to be very important that the uh, Suez crisis, the Red Sea here, everything gets under control and rather quickly before things get a lot worse as we near 2024 i'm concerned will biden decide to wake up and to bomb yemen and what does that mean and if biden does decide to bomb uh yemen does that mean that we need to have congress declare war is this still a defensive measure or are we taking an offensive attack? Because let's not forget our constitution either. And who should be declaring war as we go. Now, as we have this fear of this widening war, there's another headline that struck a little bit of fear in my heart. It came from Reuters. And it made me wonder why Reuters is putting out a story on a Sunday, December 17th, uh, as we get into here Monday the 18th. Russia loaded a new intercontinental ballistic missile into the south of Moscow. Now, this 23-meter-long Yars missile carries multiple MIRVs, which are re-entry vehicles when it comes back in from the uh, lower altitudes of space. And they can deliver multiple nuclear warheads to different targets. And so, why? Why is that? one of the big top stories that we're seeing as we have a completely destabilized Middle East coming up. North Korea got warned against uh nuclear attacks over the weekend as well. The United States basically said the to, to North Korea, if there should be any nuclear action from you, we will completely erase North Korea from the map. That, that was, that was basically the, the, statement that got put out there. It was a joint United States-South Korean statement that said that it would be unacceptable and will result in the end of the Kim Jong-un regime. And that the U.S. side reiterated that any nuclear attack by the DPRK against the ROK will be met with a swift, overwhelming, and decisive response. It makes me sad that that's where we are as society. We are back to the Cold War. We're back to the scare of nuclear superpowers. And there's so many other things that could scare us, right? I, I watched the movie uh, about uh, the, the Barack Obama, the Netflix movie that just came out. I'm trying to remember the, the title of it right now. It's the one about, uh, something about the world. Anyway, it's the apocalypse movie. Leave the world behind. I had to think about the title of that and it finally just hit me. So I watched Leave the World Behind so you wouldn't have to. And you should be glad that I did because it's really not that good of a movie. But what I learned in that movie was really everything that I already know. I understand how tribalism will play during an apocalyptic scenario. I understand where race rolls into the equation in that. I understand what the difference between a city and the suburbs will be in the rural, rural areas of the United States. If you have not put a lot of thought into that, perhaps you should watch this movie. I've heard it said that this movie was a bunch of racial mumbo-jumbo and it was racially divisive. I didn't find that to be the case whatsoever. In fact, I believe that if it didn't say executive producer, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, uh, basically this is an unremarkable movie that most people probably wouldn't have watched. I also believe that if it didn't say that, it probably wouldn't have warranted the comments that people gave it. If you don't believe that in the middle of an apocalyptic scenario, people are going to look for who makes them comfortable. Then I have another thing to tell you, right? I, I, I don't know what I could tell you actually, because it means you're not thinking critically. So the fact that race was a part of this story, I think is absolutely vital. I'm glad that it was made part of the story. And then at the end, uh, anyone that's like, oh, well, you know, race and so divisive there. Well, if that's the case, why is it showing that both a white family and a black family are coming together and working together? But yet there's still questions. There are questions. Will they remain good? I mean, if you've ever watched The Walking Dead when the zombies attack, it's the same type of scenario. And so leave the world behind. What what actually scares me more than anything wasn't the film. It's the fact that Americans aren't actually thinking that this is a possibility. See, I I follow space weather. I follow the sun for decades. And I understand that at any given time during a solar maximum, one of these X-class solar flares can come and knock us back into the stone age for at least six months where society will completely fall down. I'm mindful of that. I hope it doesn't happen but I'm definitely mindful and I'm prepared in my own little way of how I would try to get through those six months as society hopefully is able to get back on its feet and survive as it falls apart. Do you think about that? I don't want you thinking about it incessantly, but if if you're not thinking about it uh, a little bit, right, then are you really truly prepared? I don't think anything warrants the excessive thoughts, but I think that we should have plans in order to make sure we're aware of what's happening. Now, what should scare you about this film and the fact that Barack Obama was an executive producer with his wife on it is that he loved the book that this movie was based on and he felt that the author had actually nailed a lot of the details, but he wanted to be as an executive producer, giving more details to make it even more realistic as to what would happen. So you watch the film and then you watch through the lens of an ex president was saying, this is what more realistically will happen and watch how it plays out that might scare you more than the film itself. I know for me, it made me pause and think, even though there was nothing that I didn't really know. Now, I don't know that the Red Sea is going to be a moment that draws World War III altogether. I think maybe we can keep it regionalized. But I do know that we should start paying attention to these signs around the world of people threatening nuclear war as a first reaction rather than as a last reaction. We should be so much further along as a society. We should be able to try the broker with mediation and peace and not just deterrence with one of the worst things that humans have ever invented. I don't have the answers. I don't really know what we can do about it. Other than try to bring our own level. As I said, at the top of the second half of kindness, empathy, and just, plain understanding, some patience to the equation. So that way maybe cooler heads can prevail as we try to get this great evil out of the world. See, decency's not on any ballot. It's never going to be on a ballot. Decency begins in your own heart. Decency begins in your own home. Get that in order first, and then we can start figuring out how to take care of decency worldwide because I believe if more people cared about what was going on in their own house, perhaps all of our homes might fit together just a little nicer. That's all I have for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, back on Wednesday with yet another show as we gear up for I'm gearing up for Christmas whatever you're celebrating. I wish you a happy holidays for me. It's a Merry Christmas to all those that are going to be celebrating. We are a week away. I'm excited to see my kids when they wake up on Christmas morning. And hopefully we're waking up to a peaceful world. Thank you for listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolton. Be bold, America.